This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. National number one and LPGA golfer Kelly Tan has been a household name for a long time now. She was highly successful as an amateur and also a three-time Malaysian Ladies Open winner. Now, in conjunction with the return of the Maybank Championship, which recently became the richest LPGA event in Asia, Kelly was announced as the ASEAN Ambassador and oversees the running of junior clinics and mentorship programs in the country. This week on the program, she joins us on the show as we explore more about the initiative and about her career so far. It's been great. Um, I've I've really enjoyed meeting the next generation of future golf. I would say, mm. um, being able to just uh, give them a little tips here and there and share my journey along the way with them. Um, I think that's been really cool because when I was um, their age or where they where they where they are, I, um, I didn't really have somebody to talk to. Mm. And since I'm the only one that plays on the LPGA. I feel like it's a really nice thing for me to give back and I main, main, mainly I think I just really enjoy doing that for them. That's great. Do you see kids this day, especially in Malaysia, interested in golf? And- yeah, I, I, there's always been a, a lot of interest but um, I love to see that this trip when I'm back I met a lot of um, really, really talented kids. Mm. Um, I felt that back in my generation there's yeah. a, a very few of us and mm. I felt like now there's a lot more and it seems like um, kids are enjoying golf a lot more and mm. I know that with COVID, you know, because golf was the only sport you can play outside, Correct, yeah. um, a lot of um, kids and actually golfers picked yeah. up the game which is really good for the golfing industry mm, good that the interest is still there of course uh, I'm going to start off with your recent tournament Kelly uh, last month a pretty interesting one you teamed up with your best friend mm-hmm. uh, the Finnish Matilda Castron mm-hmm. uh, in the Dow Greats Lakes Bay Invitational in mm-hmm. Michigan uh, you came runners up and um, if I remember correctly it's your second time finishing uh, runners up in this tournament you must be looking back though in hindsight you know you haven't had an LPGA championship yet um, you come so close to getting a championship yeah you know um it's one of the events that you know i always look on a calendar and really mark my dates down for it um mm. just because being able to play your best friend at an lpg yeah, event yeah. it's very rare right mm. because it's it's an individual sport you're usually playing against each other and this is the only event we have on our calendar that it's a team event and mm. being able to play with my best friend um i think that's a that that's just a fun week in general and uh obviously because of our friendship um we have that chemistry that we play really good together yeah. and especially um, at Dow um, it just shows that our strategy our friendship our chemistry just kind of gel together really well that week and I think the result, results shown we, we had run-ups last year mm. but we actually lost the championship by five sh- shots and this year we, we only lost it by one so mm. I think it's Getting very enc- yeah very mm. encouraging yeah we're already looking for next year though um, we were a little bit pissed off after this year's <laughs> second place but Two times in a row, yeah. yeah, two times in a row. But you know, looking on hindsight, coming second is, is is still great. You know, in golf, um, you you lose a lot more than you win. Yeah. So, um, in in the positive side of things, you know, I just take away as you know, I played good, um, and we're looking forward to next year. Hmm. All right. So Kelly, uh, taking you back to the beginning, you know, uh, before you know golf professionally came into the picture for you, you were an avid volleyball player. Actually, you played a whole bunch of sports in school as well, right? Um, tell our listeners, how did this interest in golf 
golf come about? Yeah, like you said, I've always been a very sportive one in the family. I play it in every sport that I can sign up for mm. just so I can escape school, I, I would say. <laughs> but, you know, golf really caught my attention because I think when my dad brought, taught me the game, the first thing he said is golf is very tough. And I kind of just look at him as, you know what, I'm an athlete. I'm good in every sport I pick it up. And I just kind of took that mentality. And yeah, golf was hard mm. because the ball doesn't move. Um, I've always played in like reflect action sports and golf was the total opposite. Mm. So I think through that, I just kind of took out the challenge and, you know, just work hard. And yeah, the I think the passion of the game and wanting to learn to be better mm. was the one that really kept me going. That's great. Uh, you, you're right in saying that, you know, golf is kind of like a different sport to, you know, what we usually play volleyball, mm -hmm. f for example, which is a team sport. Yeah. Golf is very much an individual sport. So um you started at the age of 12 however you decided to make it a career at 15 that's really early on you decide you know you had a path uh, laid out in front of you take us through that thought process you know why do you decide to and you know decide to continue and pursue golfing professionally yeah i would say um like I say, I, I really found love with the game right away. I, yeah. I have a lot of friends that does this and, you know, they, they have kind of like the burnout, you know, mm. timeline and then they go back into it. But for me, it was kind of just, I got straight into it, um, just fell in love with just all the whole thing about golf, like learning, you know, trying to be better every day and then getting your fundamentals right yeah. and the techniques out of the game. Mm. And, um, I just really picked really young, I would say, because by the age of 14, I was already on the national team. Yeah. So, like, to only take two years to do that, I think it's very rare. So, I felt that I have the talent in me, but also, you know, the, the dedication to want to be better. So, those both things really helped. And when I was 15, um, I kind of just realized that um, golf is really something that I see I can take up as a career. Mm. And I'm going to share this part of the story, but I hope that, you know, people that are listening to this don't take it too seriously but try to take the positive side of the things it's because that when I was 15 I felt like golf is a game that I really need a lot of time to yeah. like practice and it requires you know pretty much all day for me to work on my game and I felt that school was taking a lot of my time away from practicing mm -hmm. so I kind of took that and went to my parents and say look you know, I don't really have an ambition to, you know, want to be a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that that yeah. I really need to go to school for. Mm -hmm. And um, golf is really something I want to pursue. And I would like to actually quit school and, you know, really focus on golf. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember my parents looked at me like, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you must be never, crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing that. But the thing is, like, obviously looking back now, I think that was crazy for my parents to have even took that into consideration from a 15-year-old. Yeah. But I knew they have always, you know, believed in me and they're my biggest supporter. And obviously they saw, you know, something in me Italian, yeah. and uh, wanting to support me. And I knew it was a hard decision. But anyways, you know, I decided to quit school at the age of 15 and really focus on golf. And so I've gone overseas to, you know, go for camps and look for coaches and try to be better. Yeah. And when I was 17, LPG came to Malaysia for the very first time and back then it was sponsored by Simon Darby and they have given me a spot to play as the top amateur in Malaysia and I played and I finished top 30 and I, I remember during that week I was dealing with a lot of media and I was starting to tell my story you know I'm fit, I'm 17 already then um, you know I 
I quit school to do this, and this is everything I want to do, and this is a dream come true kind of week. And I felt like that week the story kind of came out, you know, Malaysian number one uh, high school dropout. Like the the title just didn't come out quite right, but eventually it was a blessing because I think Yayasan Saimdabi saw the story and heard the story, and they wanted to help me. So they decided they gave me the star scholarship, like Azizul Hasni went through. So they sent me abroad to America mm. to IMG Golf Academy so that I could finish my high school as well as focus on golf. So that was kind of really the life-changing moment uh, in my career. Yeah. And I went over there all by myself as a 17-year-old with two suitcases and a golf bag, I remember, lugging through the, the, the airport. And I was picked up from by the school. When I got to the school, it was just really overwhelming because um, I come from a very um, Chinese um, upbringing and we speak Mandarin at home. We mm. didn't really speak English, mm. so that was uh, that was real, a really hard transition for me as well to be go to go over to America, learning the total different syllabus in education as well as I have to speak more English language. Yeah, like just that whole concept really like shaped me as a person. You mm. know, like just needing to learn English and get better at golf and as well as make sure you know I get through high school. Yeah. But I really really enjoyed my my year in IMG and in. Florida there and uh, when I graduated I was really in between of do I want to go to college golf because I had like three full full ride scholarship um, in the US um, and I just wasn't quite sure if I wanted to still continue that route or go to go for professional golf. Mm. So I kind of make a deal with myself that um, that summer there is Q School, which is the qualifying school to get to the LPGA Tour. There's three stages, and every st- stage there's about 300 girls, and they kind of slowly eliminate, and towards the end only 20 get the LPGA card. Mm. And so I went through all that, and I actually made a birdie putt about 12 feet away. And my mom was right there on the 18th green, and I made that putt. And I saw the leaderboard. My name jumped up to 13, and I had goosebumps over actually telling you right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I ran over straight over to her, and I gave her the biggest hug, and I and I said, I told you so. Mm. But, you know, I mean, th- that's a, re- a really cool story t- for me and from from my journey, but I- Again, I want to reiterate, you know, to the people that are listening to this, it's not that I'm encouraging young kids to not go to school, but I think also for parents to be able to see that, you know, if your kid really wants to do something, I think they will really be dedicated to where they want to go. And Mm. I'm just grateful that my parents were, you know, that supportive to me. Um, Hence, I'm where I am, where I am today. Yeah, it's great that, you know, you overcame, you overcame, you know, you you relocated to the US, you overcame that whole language barrier. But talking a little bit and scoping a little bit in your time in the US, that one year at the IMG Golf Academy. Like you said, you know, it was overwhelming. It's a whole different culture. Tell us a little bit, you know, what does the does the US Golf Academies do different than say here in Malaysia? Well I think the the biggest thing is we don't have that here. Many, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and um I just feel like over there, first of all, their platform is a lot bigger than Malaysia. Yeah. So they have platforms of um, leagues where a junior can play and you compete and there's hundreds of kids that mm. are really good already mm. in that league that are competing against each other, which makes the quality of a player, which raises more quality of good players. Where else in Malaysia, we don't really have a league. We do have 
A league, but it's very small, mm. um, and I don't. I just don't feel like kids in our country don't get to compete as much as they don't get to get in that momentum mm. as be, like as good as if they were to go overseas. Because of that, your ranking you can't really jump in that ranking as quick as you would like because you don't really have that opportunity. There's no room for growth in yes. that sense. Mm. So you know, I I hope to see that get better. Um, mm. Actually, my biggest dream outside of you know playing professional golf is to come back. Here and set something like that up here in Malaysia so that you know the next generation have some sort of a platform. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be IMG. It's not going to be that big, but something for them to be able to stand on and grow from there. Mm, the Kelly Tan Academy, I can see it already. Thank you. <laughs> uh, fast forward, Kelly, to 2014. You played yeah. your first LPGA tour in Bahamas. Uh, if not mistaken, you got your LPGA status on your first attempt too. You're talking about that birdie part, right? Mm-hmm. A dream that many, of course, aspiring golf offers aim for. Tell us a little bit, how was that season, that first tour in 2014? Yeah, I was a 20-year-old, very young, (laughs) very immature, and very... I would say I was fearless because now that I think back, it's like, oh my God, I did all that all on my own. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, turning professional is a big step from an amateur, yeah. you know, because when you're an amateur, you're playing for your country, you're playing for a team of some sort, um, you always have a chaperone, you're always taken care of, you're being told where to be, what to wear, and when, you know, when to be, I guess. Mm. And as a professional, you kind of, are all on your own sort of thing. So when I got my car right away, um, I literally have one month to figure out what professional golf is going to be like and totally didn't really have somebody to ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that I thought was really hard. But also, like, it it matured me really quickly to really figure things out. Um, sure, along the way, I hit my head and have a few bumps, but that also shaped me to who I am today. So sink um, or swim kind of situation. Correct. Right? Um, and I felt that the biggest, the hardest thing for me was it's like starting a business, right? It's like I finished my amateur career. Now I'm a professional golfer. I had to now figure out what my budget's going to be like. Where am I flying to? When am I flying to? Yeah. Where am I supposed to stay? Mm. What's the most economic way to, you know, travel? Yeah. And that I think that stress is something that you cannot learn anywhere. And I feel that because I've done that, the next person that's going to get her card on the LPGA Tour, I can say, hey, when I was you, this was what I did, right? So, and then trying to find sponsorship and all sort of all that kind of stuff mm. was really hard for me. That first time in Bahamas, I made my first check as a professional, so I was very happy. Yeah. And uh, um, didn't really have too big of a ce- celebration, but I remember it was a big deal for me because it's like, oh my god, the first this one, is, so yeah, the this is yeah. this is so cool. Mm. And that first year was hard because I had to, like I said, you know, figure out when to fly, where to fly, how to fly where to stay just figuring out you know life on tour mm. was was, uh, was really hard but I had to learn the hard way which is fine you know made some friends along the way and we kind of help each other but 10 years later here I am that was LPGA golfer and national number one Kelly Tan on the program this week more of that conversation coming your way so they keep it locked on here on Bar None on BFM 89.9 
BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl and you tune in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on the show, we've been speaking to Kelly Tan. She's the national number one golfer and the sole Malaysian representative on the LPGA Tour. Kelly was recently announced as Maybank's ASEAN ambassador ahead of the comeback of the Maybank Championships happening in October, which returns for the first time after five years with a new title sponsor. Speaking of sponsors, we continue the conversation where we left off and for Kelly, the amount of high she enjoyed, she also had to pick herself up after her fair share of lows. In 2016, she lost her sponsorship and had to balance being a competitive golfer while at the same time being her very own business manager. It's tough. It's something that I I wouldn't change a thing because I I definitely love the experience, you know, because... I, as a professional golfer, I, I didn't engage with any like management company because I feel that I'm the product and I like to be upfront and forward in mm. front of it mm. instead of having somebody that's telling your story. Okay. Um, I find that it's way more impo- impactful that I'm doing it on my own. And now that I'm married, my husband used to be a professional ice hockey, so he knows what I'm dealing with. So he kind of am taking over now for me, which is nice that mm. I don't really have to be too stressed about that side of the business. Going back to losing that sponsorship, um, feeling the rejection, it, it was hard. It was hard for a few months. Um, took me a long time to bounce back because it, it. I gave myself a lot of doubts. Mm. I questioned myself many times um, mm. why they're doing that. And is it because I'm not good enough? Um, what do I need to be better? But also at the same time, because of what I'm going through. And golf taught me to really bounce back really quickly. I have 18 holes. I don't have, you know, I need to literally be better the next shot, not three shots down the road. So Mm. because of that, I feel like I just kind of took it as, you know what, this can be a motivation. Maybe I'm not good enough, but I'm going to be better kind of deal. So I think people that know me or my friends that's in the circle of golf, they know that Kelly is the person that always persists. Um, She never, she will never give up. Mm. And I, I feel like that personality really helped me through that that slump mm. and yeah and it's got me to where I am today mm. what are some of the aspects of your game that you feel have improved since you started uh, back in 2014 on the LPGA tour yeah I would say you know all aspect and especially I would say especially more on my physical side because growing up I was always that skinny um, smaller version of girls out there compared to the majority of the field and I always felt that there was a disadvantage of my size Mm. um, back then but you know ever since I've turned professional I've really consciously put in efforts towards my gym my workout time Mm. and you know really try to build my muscle and really build my body up to pound for pound I think I'm pretty good and it's also helped me to prevent you know injuries along the way in 10 years and touch wood you know I haven't really have any major injuries so I think that really helped me and but you know to talk about golf swing and my short game everything has you know improved you know you know I'm constantly trying to you know get better and work on stuff with my coach and you know what you know any tiny little a mile um, one mile per hour and the golf swing can change a ton so we're always trying to you know gain speed and you know talk to my trainer to see how can I use the ground more so I can you know swing a little faster so I can hit a little further so Mm -hmm. there's always things that you know we're constantly working for working on 
on and try to get better. And I would say, major, I would say, yeah, all, all part of my game has gotten better. That's great. I want to touch on something you brought up. You know, you felt that you were you know, too petite, mm-hmm. uh, and it felt that there was a disadvantage in mm-hmm. a way. Which I feel is that really the case, though? You know, the bigger you are, the better golfer you are. If you would ask me now, I would say no, just because technology has come a long way. Mm. But I feel like in women's game, in the women's game in general, but especially golf, I would say majority of the women, you know, say the average girl swings at about 95 to 98 miles per hour. But if you can get yourself to that 100 to 100 and outside of 100, you really will see the advantage. Because if you hit it farther, yes, you do gain advantage. But not going to lie, you still have to be accurate. Of course, yeah. So I just feel like, you know, growing up, my dad's always taught me about balance and tempo. I wish he would have, you know, taught me about you need to just swing it as hard as you can because I feel like girls eventually find that tempo and their, you know, the gracefulness in the swing. Mm. Um, so, but that's what I'm going to do to my daughter next time. Get <laughs> as hard as you can and we'll find the tempo if eventually. Yeah. Um, speaking about the uh, roster on the LPGA Tour, for a long time now, American golfers have dominated the top of the rankings. Today though, well, at least for the past decade at least, Asian golfers have been at the top of the rankings. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it started with Yanni Singh, you know, mm-hmm. one, one of the pioneers to, to bring in the Asian region, some Asian pride. Uh, What's yeah. what's your take on this? Yeah, definitely. I I would say uh, if you were to look at the Asian country, I would say mainly the Koreans. Mm. They they are really dominating on the LPGA tour in women's golf period. Yeah. Um, that's because they had Sari Park, who was before um, Yanni. Um, Sari has been the pioneer of mm. of Korean golfers in a long long time. Mm. Just because she she was the first one that left Korea, went to America, kind of lived that American dream, played on the LPGA Tour and won her first LPGA event and it just kind of, you know, she just paved the way for the next generation. And, Mm. you know, in every country there's, you know, there's somebody like that and that's always been something that I really want to do. I really want to help the next generation for Malaysia. And, yeah, it's not easy because it it usually takes that first person to break through and eventually the country breaks through. So I felt like the the first one that does it it's always more difficult because people are always waiting for that and yeah. and that's I think that's the only, the one and only pressure that I've been putting on my own mm. on my own self that mm. I want to really be that person and I want to be the first to win on the LPGA tour and pave the way and Hopefully, I can do so. Yeah, and I think you're really close to escape, yeah. especially looking at the results of last month. But okay, bringing a follow up to that, um, looking at you know the second uh, Malaysian golfer, uh, women's golfer, you know you have the likes of Natasha, Andra, Un, for example. Do, mm-hmm. do, who do you see as your successor in inverted commas? Yeah, I would say you know golf. It's it's hard to pick you know who is gonna come up next. But you know, but just by looking at the facts, okay. So Natasha is playing on the Epson Tour, which is the road to the LPGA Tour, yep. and she's actually second in the order of merit, mm. which you know by the looks of it, I think she's gonna get on the LPGA Tour next year. Um, you know, and she's had a wonderful amateur career. She's done the college golf. She's played really well in college, and you know she's worked hard and she's played on the. LPGA Epson tour I, I know she's going to be on the LPGA tour so I think it's awesome for me to see because it's always something that I have been 
almost dreaming of, you know, wanting to have another Malay- Malaysian. fellow Malaysian yep. on tour with me yep. to be able to go out to find Malaysian food or whatever it is. And and we are going to be doing that next year. So that will be super fun. But there's also a lot more talent. We have Ashley on the on the absent tour. We have, you know, recently I met, met JX Ng. She's only 15, mm. who remind me a lot of me when I was younger. Um, super talented, super hardworking, um, posting results. She's a, you know, SEA Game gold medalist, just won the Malaysian Ladies Amateur Open. So she has a lot of my little resemblance when, when I was younger. So, and you know, I, and I, I, I reached out to her and I told her, you know, I, I will be here and, and if you need anything, I'll help you. Um, if you need any advice, you know, along the way, I'm going to be here. So, yeah, there's so many talents coming up and mm. I have no doubt that there's going to be a lot more Malaysian flag flying on the LPGA tour in the next few years. Malaysia Bully, the future is bright. Definitely. Let's just say. Um, you've played all over the world and, you know, different courses, different conditions even. Um, are there types of courses and conditions that you're particularly comfortable on? Um, I would say, you know, it's, it's so funny you say that because growing up in Malaysia, you would think that, you know, playing in Malaysia, it's something that's ingrained in me. But the thing is with golf, it's almost like repetitive motion and muscle memory. So because I've been overseas for so long, um, I felt like because of the weather, um, and the course condition when I come back to Malaysia I need to make like a slight adjustment oh. vice versa like when I go to the States <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like over there I already know what, what to do and what I'm doing but like for instance this week I'm home right I uh, play a couple rounds I feel like I need to like adjust a little bit recalibrate yeah because okay I'm back home it's Malaysia it's a little hot it's a little humid the ball doesn't fly as far it's a little wet you know the grass is a little loose so just a little bit here and there you know I just gotta like remind myself when I come back to Malaysia but mm. I wouldn't say there's a particular course or country or place where mm. you know I'm more comfortable it's just that it just takes me a couple of days to get used to it okay how about favorite golf course my favorite golf course Malaysian please don't hate me but <laughs> I, I love Kuala Lumpur Golf and Country Club just yeah, because I play yeah. a lot of course uh, play a lot of golf here. Mm. But I would say like one a very unique course to me is uh, Pebble Beach. It's in the U.S. It's very famous, one of the most famous courses in the in in the world. And that's also because my my husband proposed to me there. Oh, so nice. it's it's top of the list <laughs> for sure. How about uh, your home club then, Desaru? If I'm not mistaken. No, my home no? club Sorry. is back in Batu Pahat. Batu Pahat. So okay. I play in both uh, Bukit Banang and uh, uh, Club Golf Batu Pahat. Mm. So those. Both, both courses, you know, really signifies who I am because if you were to go there, it's it's nothing luxurious, you know, it's it's a golf course, um, but that club made me who I am because I started there. So when I go home, you know, I always go out with my, my, with my dad for a few rounds and it brings back memories, memories. when I was younger. Yeah. Um, speaking of bringing back memories and speaking of the Olympics, you're, Olymp- you're Olympian too, two mm-hmm. Olympics so far. Uh, your maiden one in Brazil in 2016, um, I think most Malaysians know, almost ended in disaster even before stepping foot uh, in the country, you know, uh, you arrived in Brazil, but your golf bag didn't arrive. What yeah. happened there? Yeah, you know, we really planned our, our travel. I thought we, we planned our travel so well because we didn't, we knew flying into Brazil was going to be tough. So we actually flew from Calgary to New York mm-hmm. and New York straight into Rio okay. just because we're like, that way our bag's not going to be lost. But little did we know, my <laughs> golf bag was left behind in New York airport and they couldn't locate it because, you know, one of the scanner didn't scan or whatever. So I got there. My bag wasn't there. I was stressed out. Of course. <laughs> and I didn't get to play any practice round. And, you know, I was asking for help, but 
a lot of it came back to you need to call, you need to do this on your own. So it was me and my husband. Thank God he was with me because my stress was times a thousand. <laughs> so we were calling the airline almost every day. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, the Malaysian media heard about the, the news and they want to interview. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about my bag being lost. I need to find my lost. bag. <laughs> yeah, I need to find my bag. And I don't want to talk about how my bag is being lost. So yeah, that, that was very, very stressful. But, you know, thankfully we were able to get it back literally the day before the tournament which which didn't help because I didn't swing the club for like yeah. five days yeah. so that was stressful to be able to, to be playing in the very first Olympic in my career yeah. for your country for the first for the very first time in such a big stage yeah. um, it was it was not ideal well thankfully the golf bag did arrive yeah. at the end of the day uh, you said it's your maiden Olympics your first Olympics but also at that Olympics in Rio it was the return of golf actually after yes, a hundred years, years. Correct. Um, how was the feel on the ground at the time? You know, people happy that it's back? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Because if you would ask any um, golfers what yeah. their dreams are, they would, have, they would have never said, I want to be an Olympian. Oh, because no? it was never in the picture. You know what I mean? So like growing up, it's like me. I, I want to win a major championship. But I would have never thought I want to be an Olympian because it was, it never, was an never an option. I always tell people, I feel like I'm lucky because it kind of like fell in, in my generation because it could have easily fell, you know, 10 years later when I'm done with golf and I could have said I would have been able to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think to be able to play in an Olympic, you know, for golf, I mean, especially for golf, for your country, it's it's an honor. Um, it's, it's very different than a normal event. Hmm. Um, it's very, I feel the patriotism because I feel like when I go to my own LPGA event, there's only me. You know, and yes, I see the Malaysian flag flying and maybe like a few Malaysian fans, but it's not like the Olympics. You know, you, I'm staying in the village. I'm talking to my fellow, you know, contingent. We're sharing our journey. Yeah, we're sharing our yeah. story. We're sharing about our success or our whatever it is. It, it, it's super cool. It's like a reunion once every four years. Very nice. Uh, speaking of once every four years, you made your second appearance uh, in Japan mm-hmm. uh, quite recently, two, two, two years ago. Um, and of course, you know, the, the Olympics was a very, very different one. High the pandemic and all of that. Um, tell us about the experience and how it differed from Brazil. Yeah, it's, it's very different. Um, Obviously, there were no fans allowed, um, but it, it's, it's, it was actually a little bit tough to play golf with no fans because yeah. you kind of want to build your momentum through the fans cheering for you. Mm. So, But COVID really helped us master that because we've already done that in our own tour event because there were no spectators. Yeah. Um, but... I just wish that we could have, you know, gone into Tokyo and, you know, see the city. But, you know, we're there to play, mm. play golf in mm. the Olympics. So mm. um, it, it's different to, it's hard to play without fans, but it was still a fun experience. Like we were still being able to talk to, you know, other countries, you know, my fellow friends that's playing for Finland or America or whatever, mm. who was to get together. So um, hopefully the next one in Paris will be different. Mm. Talking a little bit about, you know, you based in Canada, based in North America. America, um, the U.S. has the highest number of golf courses. Uh, it accounts for 45% of golf courses uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, no question, that is a extremely popular sport there, especially among the younger generation. But you know, thinking about your role as you know the leading uh, female golfer in Malaysia and also ambassador for grassroots sport, um, what can the Malaysian golf scene learn and replicate from the the U.S.? Well, I think it's, I, I don't think we should like compare to the U.S. just because U.S. is so big. Like they have lands and lands for miles. And I feel like 
in Malaysia, we're a small country, which and it's very congested. So I yeah. don't think we'll ever be the U.S. Sure. and have lots of golf courses. But um, just even now, looking back, like I've been in the sports for, you know, 15 or 16 years, um, it, it has grown a lot. You know, there's a lot more driving ranges. Um, there's golf courses now allowing juniors to play. Mm. Um, yes, we would like that platform to be bigger and maybe more flexible for them to play. But golf is something that it's so different than other sport where every game can be so different, right? Like it's not like you're swimming in the same pool yeah. or you're running on the same track. Yeah. Yes, you're playing on the same course, but you're always hitting different shots. So, but to me, is if we're able to give more accessibility to the public, I think that would definitely grow the game a lot quicker. Excellent. Now, last question, Kelly. People listening to this now inspired by your story. Any advice for young aspiring golfers out there? I'll say for me is if I were to look at look look back to my younger self, I would say you know you don't ever give up in anything you do. Um, I look at look back in my when I was younger, you know, you're you're young, you're a little immature, and you're naive in things, and you know. For me, it was golf. Um, you know, you could have, I could have, you know, maybe play a few bad rounds, and you know, I want to just go home and just go to bed and come back tomorrow but mm. the thing is um, if I could have had somebody if I could have had a whisper in my in my in my by my ears and just say just keep going it's gonna be okay and you know in the end you're gonna see you know the re- results and the rewards on the other side of the tunnel um, that would have been great but yeah if that was that's what one thing I would say is in anything you do if you're running a business you're playing a sport or you even if you just picked up the game um, it, it's always gonna be frustrating it's it, there are going, always gonna be moments where you feel like maybe that is it for me but that is not it for you if you just keep going and keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing and work harder and don't give up you you never know what's on the other side that was Kelly Tan national number one golfer and the sole Malaysian representative on the LPGA tour and with that, we've come to the end of this week's episode. If you'd like to revisit that interview with Kelly, you can head over soon to our website, www.bfm.my forward slash barnum. And if you'd like to get in touch with the program, we're on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.